TII Item 208, January 21st, 2012. Education and some fuzzy math. Welcome to Today in iPhone. I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Colin! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Yoram for sending in the artwork for today's show. Yoram wrote, Hi, Rob. Love the show. Saw a 2009 photo of you on the web and made a new version using the free app Adobe Ideas. Keep up the good work, Yoram. Well, Yoram... Thanks again for sending in this artwork back in June. And let's just say your artwork really inspired me to work out hard and lose a bunch of weight. When the pic that you saw was taken, and I was about 225 pounds, give or take 5 pounds. I'm now at 185, give or take 5 pounds. I went from a size 38, really size 40, to now a size 32 or 34, depending on the pants. So, Yoram, thanks for this artwork. I kept it around to inspire me. Folks, you can see Yoram's artwork in the TI app and the extras for episode 208, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I will try to get up it on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and you would like to share it with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Apple's great if you've got a lot of money and live on an island. It's not so great if you have to exist in a diverse, open, connected enterprise. Simple things become quite complex. An iPad with a keyboard, a mouse, and a case means you'll be at $1,500 or $1,600. That's double of what you're paying. That's not feasible. Unquote. Andy Lark global head of marketing for large enterprise and public organizations, Dell, 29th of March, 2011. And when this quote came out, people emailed me saying, here is one for a future how wrong were they? And well, Andy Lark, your time has come. Really? $1,500 or $1,600? So let's do the math. $499 for the iPad, then $70 for a Bluetooth keyboard, and $40 for a case. And per the mouse, we'll just assume you meant stylus and we'll go as $0 because you can use your finger. So when you add that all up, you're looking at $609. So Andy was a little off uh, by $891 off. I mean, even if you went with the most expensive iPad, you're still under $1,000 for the iPad and accessories. And no, I will not even ask Mr. Lark how Dell's tablet sales are doing. That would be mean. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 207, we offered up chances to win the promo codes for the app Social Speech. I will give those out shortly, so if you want more info on Social Speech, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 207 for the additional details. As always, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app, indicating you are the dev at the beginning. And honestly, if you are an app developer and you're selling your apps and you haven't taken advantage of this, I don't know what you're thinking. Hey, Rob. This is Larry from Windsor, Connecticut. I'm calling in with a tip. Um, I recently was trying to delete some videos from my phone and got a little frustrated uh, because, you know, you go through your camera roll and you have to kind of find where they are. So um, what I discovered is if you um, go into your your actual camera app, not the photos app, but if you go into your camera app and in the bottom left hand corner, you'll see the previously taken video or um, photo. Um, if you go ahead and touch that, it'll bring you to the next screen, and in the top left-hand corner, you'll see where it says camera roll. You go ahead and touch that, 
And at the very top of the screen, you'll see where it says all photo and video. And from there, you can choose whether you want to see all photos or all videos. And more importantly, if you click on the videos little icon there, you'll be able to see all the videos that um, are on your phone. Um, and you can pick and choose which ones you want to keep or delete. Um, just thought this would be helpful uh, for someone just like myself. Thank you so much for everything that you do, Rob. Take it easy. Larry, thanks for that tip. Now let's get into the news. What did I say on the last show about the launch of the iPhone 4S in China? I think it was this, quote, Well, in China, there were issues with line jumpers and people fighting at the launch of the iPhone 4S. Some punches were thrown, some people were arrested, and a couple of things were broken, unquote. At the time I said it, it was a joke because the launch had not happened yet. And well, guess what? I pretty much way underestimated the issues. Apple, who really can only blame themselves, botched up the launch in China big time. On Friday when they launched, they somehow did not have any iPhone 4Ss available at one of their stores in Beijing, a store where people had waited overnight in the freezing cold. And when Apple announced there were no iPhones available at that store... That is, my friends, as they say, when all the fun ensued. Eggs were thrown, punches were thrown, people were thrown in jail, the Chinese version of SWAT was called in. It wasn't pretty. And all of this actually caused Apple to stop selling the iPhone 4S at all its stores on mainland China for the time being. Oh! I think it's probably safe to say someone inside Apple China's supply chain is now looking for a new job. Apple had a special keynote event this past week in New York. This was an educational event, at which, in a quick summary, iBooks 2 was announced, which the update is now available. If you have not upgraded, you can do so for free, of course. Apple also announced a new app for the Mac called iBooks Author, which is like GarageBand for eBooks, which you can then publish directly to the iBook store or export as a PDF. But if you want the full interactive features, you need to publish as an iBook directly to the iBook store. I did watch the video, hence the show being late. Essentially, it was a push of the iPad and iBooks into the classroom, especially at the high school level. Right now, there's a limited number of textbooks in the iBook store. They have a special new textbook section. But Apple wants this to be much, much greater in numbers hence the iBooks author app. So essentially, Apple wants to take the printed textbook and replace it with the digital textbook on the iPad. So instead of running back and forth to your locker between periods to swap out textbooks, you can now have just the iPad with you all day long, which of course means one very important thing. More time for mashing with a girlfriend and or boyfriend between periods and less time going to your locker. Sweet! They went through uh, showing off some of the iBook textbooks, and they look nice. Even showing how you can make flashcards from the notes. I saw one of them they made, which was uh, titled Alluvial Fans. And I will always remember this question from my 8th grade science midterm. Where do you find anticlines and synclines? In plains, or plateaus, or mountains, or alluvial fans? And like an idiot, I picked alluvial fans which of course is wrong, anticlines and synclines, of course, are found in mountains. That was the only question I missed on that 8th grade midterm out of 100 questions, and it still haunts me to this day. I mean, every time I run across the term alluvial fans, I, I get the shakes. Luckily, it's not as often as you might think. Anyway, back to iBooks 2 and iBooks Author. iBooks 2 store, there is now a textbook section, as I mentioned before, where you can even preview some of the new iBook textbooks. What Phil Schiller highlighted on iBooks 2 was highlighting and notes taking, searching and definitions, and lesson reviews and study slash flashcards. I know I make light of things, but really, if I had an iPad and iBooks 2 when I was in school, I would have aced that eighth grade mid science midterm. And the final too, I got a 98 on the final. It was only 50 questions, luckily or sadly, I don't know what question it was I missed. But now let me find out. And yes, I did ask. Did I mention I tend not to let things go? Uh, I am not going to go over iBooks author in any great detail as it is very Mac related. I'll let Adam Christensen and Victor Kyle do that. 
I will say playing with it a little and watching the video, I already have a couple of iBooks I know I'll be doing. So when they are ready and, and in the iTunes store, I will let you know. And if I have not already mentioned iBooks author app for your Mac is free, well, it's free and it's available right now. Of course, if you create an iBook with iBooks author and you get it into the iBook store, please email me and let me know and I will promote it on the show. One other thing Phil mentioned was that the high school textbooks will be $14.99 or less. The second section of the education event was the new iTunes U app. Think of it as iBooks app meets iTunes U courses. So for specific class, you get class info, including assignments to do, notes, and of course, links to videos, which you can either download for later playback or stream to the iPad right then. So if you slept through class or traveling or you're for your sports team or with your sports team, or if you're just taking a class from afar, you can see the classes that you missed or are not able to attend. There is even a material section where you can see the keynote presentations, audio, video, books, PDFs, and even apps that are needed for that class. And if you are a college professor, this looks pretty interesting. If you are a college student, and have one of those professors that likes to abuse new tech, be prepared for some overuse of the iTunes U app. Just saying. If you're interested in more details on any of this, the video from the keynote is available in iTunes as a podcast. Just search Apple Keynotes in iTunes and then subscribe to that, and you can see the latest video, which is the education keynote. If you are interested in making a textbook for iBooks 2, there are a couple of links in the show notes. Uh, look for the ones titled Apple's iPad Textbooks, Everything You Need to Know About iBooks 2. And also the post titled How to Make an iPad Textbook in Under 5 Minutes. Both of those are from Gizmodo. And I am sure there will be many, many more to come shortly. So look for those. Links, of course, can be found at todayinios.com for episode 208. From the not-so-positive side, there is an article out there from VenomousPorridge.com that talks about the current end-user license agreement for iBooks Author, which they say, quote, If you charge a fee for any books or other work you generate using this software, you will may only sell or distribute such work through Apple, example, through the iBookstore, and such distribution will be subject to a separate agreement with Apple, unquote. I'm not going to try and defend Apple and this end-user license agreement in any way. From what I read in that article, which pulled parts of the end-user license agreement, it looks like by using iBooks Author, you are agreeing that if you create something with this free software that you plan to sell, you are just going to have to sell it in the Apple iBook store, and Apple is going to get their 30% pound of flesh on the sales of price of that. But honestly, where else are you going to sell it if not the iBook store? So really, did Apple need to make the language so draconian? It's not like people will want to create an interactive iBook for the iPad and then try to export it and sell it on the Android store. Well, maybe Apple just wants to keep someone from creating an Android app that would allow that. Anyway, if you are going to create and sell iBook textbooks with the iBook author that you use to create it, it's best if you read the End User License Agreement, the EULA, EULA. Um, make sure you drink a five-hour energy drink before reading said document. And thanks to Tash for this next one, which is the last we're going to talk about iBooks textbooks today. As you heard I mentioned earlier that Apple said the textbooks for high school would all be $14.99 or less. Well, all things D asked what is up with that pricing to McGraw-Hill CEO Terry McGraw. Hey, what are the chances a guy with the same last name as the company would become the CEO? Strange. Anyway, Mr. McGraw basically said the low price is not so low because in the past they would sell textbooks for about $60 to $75 but only once every five to seven years, as the books would be reused. Now with iBooks, the books are not reused, 
and there was no printing and transportation costs. So overall, at $14.99, even after Apple's 30% pound of flesh, my comments, not Mr. McGraw's, that McGraw-Hill still comes out on top. So my question is, if Mr. McGraw is correct on them making more, or even as much, where does the schools save money? Just trying to work the math here. If typically books last five years and students have, let's say, five and a half classes requiring textbooks a year and they have four years in school and textbooks cost on an average of a high, say, $75, that is then $330 spent per student over four years. Um, after you do the math and you take, you know, remember, you got to do just 20% value for the books. So it's for that individual student, it's $330. With iBooks, it is 5.5 classes, again, times $15 times four years, which also equals $330. But then you need to add $499 for the iPad, or even just $400 with an educational discount. So again, I'm not seeing where this is a big financial win for schools. I mean, unless school books are much more expensive and updated more often, or unless iBooks are actually going to be much less money, I guess I need to download, download one of those math textbooks. That said, beyond the questions on money, I think the interactive nature will foster better education. Just not sure it will foster cheaper education. And I am afraid at the end of the day, that may hurt it in the deployment of this on a much wider scale. Maybe I just need to go back and rewatch the video, but... Uh, again, seems like fuzzy math when they say it's going to save schools some, some money because I just don't see it. All right, I want to take a minute here to talk about today's sponsor, and that is Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations and transfers. We have talked in the past couple of months about uh, some good reasons to register a domain name. And I can say having registered domain names at a few other services in the past, Hover is without a doubt my favorite site to register and manage domain names. As a matter of fact, now it's my only site to register and manager, manage domain names. The interface is so drop-dead simple. It is not cluttered. It is not insulting of your senses. It is not trying to upsell you with confusing links and additional screens that make no sense. Hover just presents the info you need, and that is it. And then when it's time to manage your domains and add redirects, it is so easy and fast to do. And right now, Hover is running a special of just $15 a year for .co, so .co domains. Uh, this offer runs until January 31st, 2012. That's 50% off the normal $30 price for .co domains. And then take another 10% off the uh, $15 price for your TII discount. Again, to save 10% on your registrations, including the .co's, go to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com. Isn't it time you liked registering domain names again? Thanks, Hover, for sponsoring this show. And I just want to say right now, I want to thank anyone out there who was in opposition to SOPA and PIPA and let their voice be heard. You may have seen I had the TII site down on the 18th, and it really looks like Everyone going out and letting their congressmen and senators know that they didn't want them supporting SOPA, it looks like, and PIPA, it looks like that worked. It looks like Congress is now treating it as a toxic asset and is backing away from those two bills as fast as they can. So congrats to everyone who made their opposition known to their congresspeople. It was definitely well worth the fight and a good fight to win. Into the email bag we go. Hello, Rob. Now with iMessage, I can text more and easier, as you already know. I've been discovering that friends and family are also using iOS 5 while I compose a text. It turns blue. And if you want to know who else has iOS 5, well, you have to enter their number or email address manually one by one. So my question is, do you or any of the listeners know of an app or how to scan your entire address book for iOS 5 users that are using iMessage. Best regards, Paco in Texas. Well, Paco, 
I don't know of one, but I'm going to send that out to the listeners. And if anyone does know of a way to check in mass your contact list to see who is on iMessage so you don't have to send a regular text to them, please let us know. Next up in the email bag. Hi, Rob. Is this square barcode a U.S. thing? I've seen it in products occasionally and on signs. What do you use to scan it? An app regards Tash. What Tash sent a picture of was a black and white square with little squares in the three corners. That Tash is a QR code. There are other small square barcodes out there, some with colors. Those are tags, Microsoft. But basically, they serve the same function. They are something you scan with your smartphone's camera and an app, and it takes you to a URL on a browser. That said, we have not talked about QR codes and tag readers and scanners in quite some time, so I'm going to open it up to the audience to see which free or paid reader, scanner, app they like the best and why. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot us an email at todayinios at gmail.com. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Regarding iCade Core, yes, it can be used in landscape. I believe the dock connector is a pass-through like it is on the current iCade. iCade Junior retails for $49, by the way, and includes four buttons on the back of the device. Regards, Kevin Crossman. Thanks, Kevin, for that correction. I had mistakenly said on the last show iCade Core was only for portrait orientation. Glad to hear it will also support landscape mode. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I just made a song with GarageBand on my iPad, and I wanted you to hear it. I keep waiting for an iPhone 4S jailbreak, and it looks like it's getting closer and closer. Can't wait. So I made a quick song about my anticipation. I miss SBS settings and all the tweaks, not to mention Tether. Anyway, hope you can find a way to use this on your show. Regards, Andrew and Field. And then he followed up, P.S., do you or your listeners know how I can export as an MP3 from GarageBand on my iPad or iPhone? I can only get the M4A version to export. Andrew, to which I will say this, I do not know of a way where you can export as an MP3 file from GarageBand on your iPad. Maybe someone else has figured it out. If you have folks, shoot us an email or give us a call. Now let me play the song you sent in. iPhone 4S, iPad 2. I want a jailbreak, I want a jailbreak, I want a jailbreak, I want a jailbreak. I'm waiting on an iOS 8.5 jailbreak, need to exploit to be done, so don't hesitate. I'm waiting on an iOS 8.5 jailbreak, need to exploit to be done, so don't hesitate. I want a jailbreak, I want a jailbreak, I want a jailbreak, I want a jailbreak. Well, Andrew, good news. The iPhone 4S and iPad 2 untethered jailbreaks are finally here. Now, I haven't done them yet on my device, and I'm going to try to get my device jailbroken and my tutorial updated before the next show, which, by the way, will go up probably Wednesday evening next week. So I want to be a day after Apple's uh, quarterly announcement. So I'll talk about it then. I had a choice, which was either to jailbreak tonight or to do the show. I decided to do the show. Here's what I'm going to say. Don't jailbreak right now. The last time there was like three or four iterations before they got everything worked out, and I've already seen they had two iterations uh, for some of the software, and there's been a big backlog on the Green Poison site. So right now, wait. Give it a week. Let me get the next show out. Let me talk about that jailbreak. There's going to be some of you out there that can't wait. And for those of you that can't, please, you know, send me your feedback when you do jailbreak. But for the rest of you, wait a week. Don't update your software to 5.1 if Apple releases iOS 5.1 on Monday or Tuesday. Wait, because if you do update to 5.1, you probably won't be able to jailbreak. Keep your, your iOS 4S and iPad 2 at iOS 5.0.1. Make sure you update to iOS 5.0.1 right now. And then next week, on the next show, I'll talk about how the jailbreak went. I'll talk about some of the issues that came out. 
I'll have some links in the show notes if you want to go and find out some more information. But again, next week I'll be updating my tutorial. But the good news is there is now the untethered jailbreak, finally, for the iPhone 4S and the iPad 2. Please, please be patient. Please wait. And for those of you that can't wait, please send me in your feedback. On this next story, it's about AT&T changing, raising their rates uh, for data packages. First up, there's been a lot of emails and links sent in on this and a lot of FUD in articles I've read. Here are the basic details. First, the new rates are just for new accounts. If you are already with AT&T and have a contract for your iPhone or iPad, your rates are not changing. Again, this is just for new customers. Next, while prices are going up, so is the amount of data being offered. Here's a quick summary of the new plans. The $15 200 meg plan is being replaced with a $20 300 meg plan. So $5 more gets you 100 meg more. The $25 2 gig uh, plan is being replaced with a $30 3 gig plan. So $5 in this case gets you an additional 1 gig. The $45 4 gig uh, data plan is being replaced with a $50 5 gig data plan. So again, $5 rise in price gets you an additional 1 gig. Before you go all ape crazy on AT&T for raising prices, remember, with Verizon, they are offering 2 gig and 5 gig plans for 30 and 50 per month respectively. So actually AT&T is better than what uh, Verizon's offering. At least that is what's up on the Verizon site as of the recording of this episode. They may change their pricing to match or better. Of course, both pale in comparison to Sprint, which offers unlimited data and no slowing down of data either. Depending, There's no cap. You can't just hit a certain point. They're going to um, ratchet down your uh, data. So true unlimited, it's only with Sprint. I did read some articles out there that made it sound like the price hikes at AT&T would cause a great reduction in the adoption of for smartphones and tablets at AT&T. I just don't see these changes making much of a difference and probably nothing noticeable overall. I mean, if people weren't going to get it before, they're obviously still not going to get it, but uh, I, I don't think this is going to push many people off the fence that were wavering of whether or not to get a smartphone. It's not that big of an increase overall. Now, if AT&T had just raised the prices without raising the data caps, I think people could legitimately complain. But the way they did it, I, I, I don't see a real reason to be complaining here. Hey, Rob, this is Mike in an undisclosed location. You have a lot of voicemails about um, the throttling that's happening from AT&T, but you're not getting a lot of comments from those of us who are getting screwed by Verizon. When we pass two gigabytes, our data is also being dropped tremendously. I ran a couple speed tests the other day. I'm at about 3.5 gigs right now, and the rate that I was getting was somewhere between 100 and 200 kbps, and it's normally about a mag, um, give or take, as Verizon is a little bit slower than AT&T. Mike, thanks for that email. I often forget that uh, Verizon had offered up unlimited plans, and really, I think you're the first one to call in and talk about throttling from Verizon. And don't worry, we're not going soft on AT&T. We'll play some other feedback about AT&T throttling issues and read some other emails either later in this show or the next show. Anantech had a good article titled, Why Thunderbolt Won't Come to the iPhone Anytime Soon. And by good, I mean really overly techy. This article, per the title, explained technically and also politically why Thunderbolt will not be coming to an iOS device anytime soon. This was in response to some of the silly rumors that were out there saying, uh, this was prior to CES, saying that Thunderbolt would be coming to an iOS device shortly. There's also the cost reasons, which in itself are probably enough to keep Thunderbolt away from iOS devices for quite some time costs 20 to $30 for the Thunderbolt control chips right now. That is about what the A5 processor costs, to put that in perspective. Of course, if that is not enough of a reason on why Thunderbolt is not coming, then you can read the entire article over at Anantech, per the previously mentioned title, 
look for the link in the show notes for episode 208 at todayinios.com. Into the email bag, or actually in this case, the Google Plus bag. Hi, Rob. In response to one of your callers about the NCAA app, they put out one for the last tournament, not season. It was free and allowed you to stream games and check scores, etc. Great app, and I'm sure they'll do it again in March. And that was from Richard Moore on Google+. Thanks, Richard. Hey, Rob. Uh, Zach in Missouri here. And I just wanted to, uh, to comment on the listener who had called in about the CBS mobile app and uh, being able to stream some uh, college basketball games on the fly and uh and i think you guys were both cognizant of the fact that the cbs sports does put out a march madness app every year uh but it's usually right before the tournament starts uh even i remember last year being like okay is this thing going to come out or not and uh the last few years we've uh made our family pilgrimage to uh, disney in florida and uh i've had to use the cbs sports march madness app to keep up with uh, my beloved Duke Blue Devils. So anyway, CBS Sports, you know, I would assume would put out another app similar to the way they have the last two years, and you should be able to uh, stream some games on the fly. And as far as keeping up with scores, uh, one app that I use is uh, Sportacular, which I believe has been bought out by Yahoo, and I'm not sure of the pricing or specifics on that anymore. Um, but uh, it's easy to find in the App Store, and it does uh, some pretty good updates, pretty customizable, pick some of your favorite teams, and uh, it's uh, it's really handy. And it's just a slightly better, it seems to me, than the ESPN app that has some of the same features. So anyway, that's my two cents, and uh, go Duke. Hey Rob, this is Chad. I was just going to respond to one of your uh, listeners about uh, college basketball applications. The application I use is College Basketball Radio Live, uh, and it's by JJACR Apps. It gives me access to all my uh, college basketball uh, radio feeds, so I can listen to all the games live uh, right on my phone or on my iPad. I use it to listen to all the SEC teams. Um, I also have some teams out west that I like. Uh, they didn't have them available, so I emailed them, and within 48 hours, they'd added the teams for me and some stations to listen to. So it doesn't have the live scores, uh, but it's got the full schedule for the year and all the teams. It's got pretty much every team that you can that you can want, and if you need anything, uh, just email them, and, and they'll get you a team and some stations to listen to. So I just thought I'd throw that out there for anybody that wants to listen to the games uh, in case they're at work or anywhere else. So thanks. Love the show. Thanks to all that sent in feedback for that question. Now back to the email bag, or really into the email bag. Hi, Rob. For Windows users, I have found the following if your devices are taking hours to back up or sync or just gets hung up. I had a problem just trying to back up. One, quit iTunes. Two, start an elevated command prompt. That's start menu, all programs, accessories, right-click, command prompt, run as administrator. Three, once in the command prompt, type netsh space windsock space reset and then hit enter. Reboot your machine. Restart iTunes. This worked for me. Regards, Dave and Dalton Mass. And when I said netsh, that's N-E-T-S-H, one word, space windsock, one word, space reset. And if you're still not sure what I just said, Shoot me an email, and I'll send those instructions to you. Hey, Rob, this is Jim from Orlando. Just wanted to let you know about a tip I've discovered with Safari in iOS version 5. I do a lot of reading on my iPhone, and in many cases, there is a cross-reference to another article or video or something uh, within the article. However, if I click on the link, by default, that new link will replace the page that I'm on, and then I have to scroll back between the pages just to uh, pick up where I was, where I left off. So what I found is that if I go into the Settings app, go down to Safari, you can enable links in background. And that way, for example, when I'm reading that article, I can click on the link. It'll load behind the page that I'm currently reading as I'm reading it. And then when I'm finished reading that article, I can cross-reference the other article at my convenience. So... Just thought I would pass that along. Thanks so much for the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Jim, thanks for the tip, and back into the news. My son has been really fascinated with that cruise ship, my oldest son this is, that cruise ship that capsized off of Italy. And I don't think I was going to be able to work this story into the show, 
that was until Ramon sent me a link to an article at abcnews.com on this story and with this following quote in the article. Quote, Mark and Sarah Plath of Little Rock, Arkansas, awoke to an announcement just before 11 p.m. saying there was a power outage, but not to worry about it. Using their iPhone's level app, the couple soon discovered the ship was tilting or listing 23 degrees, unquote. Okay, 23 degrees is a lot. If you are in a ship and it's listing 23 degrees, honestly, you don't need a level to tell you there's something seriously wrong going on. And taking the time to pull out your iPhone, open the level program, and measure the actual list, you know, instead of, I don't know, let's see, grabbing your wife and your life preservers and getting the frack off the ship? To me, it just seems a little crazy to open the app up and measure it. But it's also incredibly geeky. Well done, Mark Plath of Little Rock, Arkansas, who I would assume is one of those people that when the tornado sirens go off, quickly runs out the front door of his house with his iPhone in his hand, hoping to record video of the tornado. Switching gears, GigaOM and others reported on a product called HZO, which if you believe the articles, makes your smartphone waterproof. If you're paying attention there, you might have noted a little bit of sense of skepticism in my voice. Seems this product works by applying a coating at the subassembly build process by coating the populated boards prior to final assembly. My skepticism comes from being formerly in the electronics component industry and building subassemblies and having run engineering at a company that built the subassemblies and designed those subassemblies and also trying to coat said boards and make them waterproof. It seemed that when we did that, there were all types of unintended consequences, which caused accelerated aging and other failure modes. So all I say is I hope they do thorough testing and Apple is not the first one to adopt said tech. Let others try and possibly fail first. Note, I don't have any experience or knowledge with this particular product, HZO, so this product may have overcome all the shortcomings of all the other different types of coatings that we tried in the past. But I would be very, very surprised to see Apple adopt this tech anytime soon. Sorry, for the next few iOS devices, you're still going to need to be careful around moisture and liquids. So, no iPhone or iPads in your hot tub. In the news, there is a new case out there that's getting a lot of press. It's from Nissan, and let me read you the title of one of the articles. Nissan announces new self-repairing iPhone case, and a lot of other ones on theme on that variation. Essentially, it makes it sound like you've got little nanobots running around on this case, and it's repairing itself whenever it breaks or cracks or whatnot. That's not the case. <laughs> no pun intended. What is the case, no pun intended, is that the covering is not really painted. It, it's not a real paint. It's more of a gel-like covering. And this is a paint that they use. Again, not really truly traditional paint, but this is what Nissan uses on their cars. And if it gets slight scratches, not too deep, but some slight scratches, that the covering, since it's gel-like, it just kind of molds back together and the scratches kind of come out over time. So Yes, it's self-repairing in that it's covering up so you don't see scratches and it does that on its own. But it's not like if your case breaks or cracks or chips that it repairs itself and there's not little nanobots in the case coming out and working on it to repair it. And so there's a lot of titles that make it sound very misleading. It's cool if you get scratches on the case, in the back of the case, the slight scratches, they'll go away over time. So... Definitely neat, but it's not as drastic as some of the titles out there make it sound like. Rob, this is Chris Christensen from AmateurTraveler.com. You were talking about whether it was a good idea to quit apps. One case that is a really good thing in terms of quitting apps is memory. Fewer apps means fewer memory taken up, and we've already seen issues with apps like Evernote that deal with caching information that if 
there is a demand for memory, they will have to throw things out of the cache. And so quitting apps that you're not using or don't plan to use in a week is going to prevent some issues that could happen where apps have to throw away memory, have to throw away things that they're not using. That's also going to save you some battery life if they have to download those things again from networks it could cost you additional battery life and things against your data cap. Thanks, Chris, for the feedback. I also had the following email come in. Hi, Rob. Since you asked, I agree with you about the advice given by Fraser Spears. I wrote a blog post at The Wonder of Tech that shows evidence of the difference closing your apps makes to your free memory. I have a link to that in the show notes. Just look for uh, Close Your Apps, The Wonders of Tech in the show notes for episode 208 at todayinios.com. Carolyn goes on, I went a bit farther than you did in your podcast and stated that closing apps would help with battery life as well as making your device run more smoothly. An app developer, iReward Chart, offered his opinions in the comment section. Regards, Carolyn from Wonder of Tech. Well, Carolyn, thanks for the article. And again, I'll have a link for that in the show notes. And it, I got a lot of people calling in, emailing in, saying that they saw great improvements. They had a lot of help when they closed out the apps versus, say, just restarting the phone. I know I had one person call and say, well, if you just restart the phone, that'll help. It, the problem is restarting the phone doesn't change the apps that are in the frozen state. And so if there's an app in the quote unquote frozen state that's causing an issue and using up memory, just restarting the phone doesn't reset that. They're still there. So when it comes back, everything's back to where kind of how it was. So if there is an issue from an app that's in the suspended state, I guess you call it, um, just restarting your phone alone won't really help, may not help. Uh, closing all the apps, at least I've seen it and heard feedback from, and a lot of you sent feedback in since the last show, um, saying that it does help. So it looks like, at least from this show's perspective, we had two people that were on Fraser's side and 50 to 60 people that were against Fraser on this. Hi, Rob. This is Tom from Yucaipa, California. I'm a blind person using the iPhone, so I use uh, VoiceOver all the time. Somebody had a question on how to remove things from memory or how to delete an app using VoiceOver. Uh, what you do is go into the app switcher and go into the app switcher by hitting the home key or tapping the home key twice. That'll put you in the app switcher where you have apps that you have recently run. Then from there, if you want to edit that app switcher, you double tap the screen, but holding your finger on the second tap, don't release. You'll hear a noise and it'll say edit app switcher. At that point, you can swipe to the left or the right until you hear the app that you want to close. And then you would just double tap that app. You'll hear a double uh, clicking sound. It won't say anything, but it will in, in fact close the app. If you do that throughout the app switcher, you'll eventually get to a point where it says nothing is in the app switcher. Then you can dismiss the app switcher at that point. Now, if you want to delete something from the iPhone, one of your apps, what you do is you uh, swipe to the left or the right or tap on the screen, whatever your method is for finding an app. Uh, once that app is spoken, then double tap the screen on the second tap. Don't, don't release, um, don't lift your finger. On the second tap, hold your finger that will enable the edit portion. It'll say move, and what you can do at this point, you can slide around and move that app to a different location in the screen or create a folder or something like that. Uh, however, if you touch any app on the screen after that point and then double, uh, double tap as if you're selecting it, it'll, want to, it'll prompt you if you want to delete it or not. Then at that point, you just do OK to delete or cancel if you made an error and don't want to delete it. And to get out of the edit mode, you just hit the home key once. That'll put you back into regular iPhone operations with the uh, voiceover system. Thank you, Rob. Love your show. Bye. Tom, thanks for the great advice there. And I want to thank everyone else that sent in emails and voicemails on that. I got a lot of feedback on that. Uh, just basically, everyone's saying very similar or the same thing as what Tom said there. He just, Tom, 
put it all in there and added that little part there about deleting the app. So I figured his was the best one to play. But again, thanks to everyone who had sent feedback on how to delete apps from your um, active list or active tray um, or remove apps, I should say, from your active tray when you're in voiceover. This next story, um, not often at a loss of words, uh, but I'm going to read the quote from uh, this one here uh, from the article, and I don't know about how I'm going to comment on this one. Quote, Chairman Terry Gao of Foxconn was meeting with senior managers and stated, quote, Han Hai has a workforce of over one million worldwide, and as human beings are also animals, to manage one million animals gives me a headache, unquote. Hanhai is the parent company of Foxconn, the company responsible for creating the majority of the iPhones and iPads for Apple and many other manufacturers. Gao also stated that he would like to learn from the director of the Taipei Zoo as to how animals should be managed, unquote. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. Like I said, not much you can say there. Okay, one another news story here I want to work in that a lot of you sent links to was about clay being put into iPad boxes in return to big box stores like Best Buy and Walmart and London Drugs and Future Shop up in British Columbia. Here's what happened. A group of bad guys, we'll just say bad guys, fraudsters, con artists, whatever you want to call them, went and paid cash and bought a bunch of iPads. They then opened the boxes, took the iPads out, and replaced the iPads with similar weight clay so that the boxes and everything felt right. Then they meticulously sealed everything back up so it looked like it had never been opened, shrink-wrapped it the whole nine yards. Then they went onto Craigslist and recruited a bunch of people who they told them they were hiring them for a kind of a shopping job, a mystery shopper assignment, and told them they needed to return these to the big box stores and see how they're treated and rate how they're treated and get the money and bring the money back. So they would meet with the people, give them the iPad in the box, and have them bring them back to the uh, the big box stores, and then the big box stores would take them back. Well, you would think, okay, some of these people get caught, but, you know, the big box stores will check, of course, to see if there's what's in there. Well, no, because people are lazy. They looked at it, looked like it was never open. The people seem legit. They put them back on the shelves as is. Other people bought them, opened it up, and when they opened it up, expecting to see a beautiful iPad 2, instead found a lump of clay. Wah, wah, wah as my three-and-a-half-year-old son is uh, inclined to say these days. Yeah, that, that's not an unboxing that would be um, fun. They have yet to catch the ringleaders in this con job. Um, there was a quote in one of the articles uh, that said, uh, quote, the scam was cold and heartless, unquote. Yes, it was cold and heartless, and I don't condone it in any way, shape, or form. But you got to admit, it was pretty creative. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I just wanted to let you and the listeners know of a way to add water and lava to the block types in Minecraft. And folks, just look for the link in the show notes in episode 208 over at Today in iOS titled How to Enable Water and Lava in Minecraft. And that's over at the site iosstuffandreviews.blogspot.com. Back into the email bag. Dear podcast owner, the following podcast has not been included in the iTunes podcast directory. Name, Today in iOS podcast. Sincerely, the iTunes store team. That was the email I got on January 14th, and that was notifying me that my podcast had been yanked from the iTunes store. Contacted the guys there, since I know them, and asked, what's up? And what was up was got busted on my artwork for my show that was in iTunes because I had an Apple product in the artwork. And I'm not blaming Apple here. And even though I know the artwork was up for four and a half years, it, uh, for four and a half years, I was in violation of the Apple's terms of service and what's allowed. And, and, I, and I knew that. So 
no hard feelings to the Apple team at all. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take this lemon and turn it into lemonade. And I need your help, folks. I need some new artwork, a 600 by 600 pixel image, uh, JPEG or PNG. And here's the deal. What I want to do is have new artwork created by one of you that was created on an iOS device. I think that's only fitting that my artwork in iTunes should be something that was created on an iOS device. So if you would like to create new artwork for the Today and iOS podcast, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. I will mention you on the show. I'll give you total adulations and credit and put a link on the site to your website if you have one. Uh, so if you would like to help me out, again, I'm looking for a 600 by 600 JPEG or PNG image with Today and iOS in there and uh, so it looks good uh, especially when it's shrunk down to 57 by 57 pixels and it has to be created on an ios device so if you would like to help out the show get your artwork up for everyone to see in itunes i would greatly greatly appreciate it send that artwork to today and ios at gmail.com again today and ios at gmail.com and would love for your help in getting new artwork that i can put up in itunes uh, for the show and again no hard feelings to Apple. I, I knew my artwork wasn't in, and I was happy to slide by for four and a half years with uh, the basic artwork. Oh, well, got busted. All right, it's 3.30 in the morning, and that's my cutoff point. Even on a Friday night going into Saturday, I am going to stop it here since we're already 50 minutes in. I will get to a lot of the voicemails and emails that I didn't get to on the next show, which I'm going to try to put up Wednesday night, uh, the night after. So it's going to be give me about a day after the, the Apple announcement, which is on Tuesday when they go over the quarterly results. Should be some good information out of that. As always, if you have any feedback you want to give us, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. I want to thank our sponsor again, which is Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you get 10% off your domain name registrations. And remember, until the end of January, you can get half off on .co domains, so which is $15 and then another 10% off of that for .co domains. Go to tii.hover.com. Thanks, guys, for sponsoring and supporting this show. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. Jailbreak.